Welcome, everybody. Episode two, Devil's Army cast. I'm here with Chris, Corey, and of course, myself, James. How we doing, boys? Doing great. Doing great. And good, awesome. good to hear. So uh, episode two, number jersey number two, Devil's History. Who we got, boys? Corey, let me hear from you first. Slava Fatisov. That's a good one. I see. I, he's, a, he's an older guy, but I know him. He is, yeah. <laughs> he's from back. My my uncle tells me stories of him from back in the, yeah. what, he played in the 90s, right? He was on the cup teams. No, he, he wasn't actually on the uh, on the cup team. He he was about to be, but he was traded to the Red Wings right before the playoffs started. And then he ended up losing to the Devils in the, in the 95 finals. <laughs> Oh, really? Yeah, I think it was. I swear um, it was yep. on the cup team. That's funny. Because nope. I knew nope. he went to nope. the wings. I just didn't nope. know when. No, he was just. I think it was, was him was and uh, Sergei Sterikov that got brought over from Russia, right? Yep. Yeah, that's funny. Chris, who you got? Uh, pretty sure Merrick Zidlicki. Yep, he wasn't that long ago. He was, uh, no, he's he was, pretty in, 20, he was in the 2012 one. Cup team. Yep. Or the the runner up. All yep. right, I had Zilicki too, but I'll uh, hit you with Curtis Foster. That was my number two right there. <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> he was in the but trade did, for Zilicki. He was in the trade for Zilicki. He was wearing like, like, wearing like no. number 34 or something like that. I don't think so. I think I it was the only did, one, man. but he was only on the. They got him from Minnesota, I believe. Yeah, I think and I think then, it was Minnesota. Yeah. Then they sent him right back or Anaheim Zidlicki, too. in the same year. But no, good stuff, boys. All right, so we'll move on to a quick rundown of what you guys are going to be hearing us talk about today. I'll start with current news, and then we're going to discuss the 2018 Devils draft class. Recent news coming out about a couple of players in that class, so we'll discuss that. Corey will have his Donuts and Dynasty segment. We'll go into uh, we're going to call it the sweater segment today. Got some news with jerseys regarding uh, the Coyotes, so we'll speak about that. Fun stuff. We'll have a fun conversation with that. Yeah, that'll be a good one. I'll speak about a few prospects. Um, I guess we're calling that James's prospect corner, and then we ran our first mailbag with you guys. We got questions, not a lot, but um, hopefully we'll get more in the future. But we got some good questions for that. I think we're going to run through three of them. And then finally, we have a few other topics we're going to speak about. So, um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll get into it with the current news. I'll just run through a few things that came out the past week. Nothing major. Um, First thing being the NHL announced that they're going to be reseeding teams after the play in round. Basically, what this means is. Uh, so let's say you got the one seed, right? And let me think about this real quick. So we got the one seed and so one for four, I have a buy. So if seed, seed five is playing 12, right? Seed six playing 11. So if say seed 12 upsets five, that 12 is automatically going to be playing against the one. So that's what receiving is. It's um, like how it used to be before they did the whole realignment where it was always, you know, the top team played the most bottom seeded team coming in. Exactly. And and that would continue throughout. So basically kind of like the old style. Yeah. So that was uh, some news there. They also confirmed that the play-in round will be best of five, and every round after that will be best of seven. Interesting news coming out, um, especially since everything that's going on, how they're getting closer to coming back. But a Penguins player was diagnosed with the COVID virus. They didn't tell us which player, which I'm not surprised, but the Penguins player does have the virus, and that was announced June 4th via TSN. Then lastly, news-wise, Phase 2 of the NHL's return-to-play 
plan is being commenced on June 8th, which is Monday, which you'll, uh, this podcast getting released. Basically, what phase two is, is their uh, teams are allowed to open their training facilities for small group training. I forget the exact number, but you can't train in more. Than, I think it was like eight uh, players at a time. I could yeah, be wrong. It was a but it's a, it's a very small number and uh, no coaches are allowed only like play, uh, team personnel, such as trainers and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, that's the, the news. Anything you guys got to say with that? I feel like it's pretty self-explanatory, but anything you guys want to add, anything that catches your eye? I hope that Penguins player just gets better soon. I mean, I'm sure that's a that's going to be something the Penguins are going to have to definitely keep tabs on since they're going to be playing in the playoffs. Uh, if, if it was a team that was already out, you know, it might, might be handled a little differently. But uh, definitely a little curveball going into the whole replay plan. So yeah. Yeah, it's funny how phase two is numbing up and then we get that news. But he uh, they did say he's been in quarantine and he hasn't been in contact with any other players. He's been home wherever home is for him, which is good. But all right. Good stuff. So uh, we'll move into segment number two, which is our discussion about the 2018 NHL draft class. The Devils had now you guys might be like, why 2018? Why would you randomly pick in this class? But um, I'm sure most of you guys saw news came out that Devils did not reach the terms with fourth round defenseman Xavier Bernard and sixth round forward Mitch Holesher. I think I said that correctly, but they didn't get a deal done with these guys before the deadline, whether it be because the players didn't want to play or the team didn't want to bring them in. Nothing got done between those guys. I'll give you a little uh, information on both these guys so you're better familiar with them. Like I said, Xavier Bernard is a defenseman. He was the fourth round pick in 2018. He's Canadian. He has some good size to him, which the Devils need. Um, he was six foot three. He's listed as six foot three, two hundred three pounds. So he's a tall guy. Um, yeah. Uh, so he spent the past four seasons in the QMJHL, in the Canadian the Hockey League. Yep. Um, his point output wasn't tremendous. He only had 94, uh, 95 points in 250 games. Now, the kid's young. He's only 20 years old. Might be 21, but 250 yeah. Games is a lot of games. That's a, it's good to say. But um, as the type of player was, as you could hear me say, he was tall. So he liked playing physical. He was a two-way defenseman. He wasn't really a big offensive guy, but he could bring some touch. He supposedly had a really good shot. Projection for him was probably a seventh defenseman, uh, probably a career top two, top four IHL defenseman. So Devils aren't losing a lot here. Um, but he would have been good for the the baby devils down in Binghamton. Not really sure why they didn't get anything worked out with them, but I'm sure yeah, it's something behind to the scenes. The depth. Yeah, um, and we'll get into that later. Surprisingly, devils do have pretty good deep depth, and he would have mm-hmm. just added to it. But so as for Holesher, I, I, I'm probably just butchering his name. Like I said, I'm terrible with these name pronunciations. But Holesher, is that it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, like I, I said, I'm just is, terrible yeah. with pronunciations, but um. So like I said, sixth round pick. He was a fo- he's a forward. I think he played center uh, mainly. He also played a little left wing. Canadian as well. Um, at the time he was drafted, uh, drafted in the sixth round. It seemed like really good value for this kid. He put out decent numbers. He played for the Ottawa 67s, as we know, is an absolute powerhouse in the OHL. They're they're easily the best team in the OHL, and probably the best team across the three Canadian Hockey League, the junior leagues. But um, he put up great 
numbers this year. He had 76 points in 62 games, um, 30-plus goal score. He had himself a good season. Of course, he's older than the guys he's playing with. But, um, yeah, he had a really good season. I'm surprised. And as we know, the Devils have a ton of prospects on the 67s. Oh, yeah. Graham Clark, who was injured for a lot of last year. They have uh, – I'm not even going to try to pronounce this name. Uh, Nikita, the defenseman they just drafted, a Kotuak or whatever. However heck you say his name. I think that's it. Yeah. Yep. And then uh, Kevin Ball also plays for the 67s. Sevens, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah, um, he does. Yeah, like I said, he had a really good season scoring wise. He was older, so that could be something. He was probably in the top twenty of Devils prospect um, when I did my list. I had him around eighteen ish in the top twenty, and as an NHL projection, probably a top nine forward, uh, line three, line four. I think more of an AHL guy, but. I'm a little confused on why they didn't get a deal yeah, done with like him. I wonder good. what. Yeah, I mean, nothing crazy. Like, I'm not going to lose sleep over them not signing this guy, but he, yeah. he would provide good depth in the AHL. And he had pretty good potential. I just remember, I'm pretty sure it was the, uh, one of the prospects that they brought on, like, during the games and stuff, uh, in between periods for, like, a segment, like, connecting with the prospects and stuff like that later in the season. Yeah. So Yeah, probably. So that was interesting. But, um, so... I, do you guys have anything to say on these guys? Uh, Bernard or Ho, Ho, what was that Corey again? How do you say his last name? Hosher. Uh, Hosher. <laughs> yeah. Um, anything you guys got to say about these guys? Surprised about well, them the not thing, bringing the them in? The only thing I know, the only thing I know about uh, Xavier Bernard there is that like he was like he was really good right around the time he was being drafted, but the next two seasons after he was like his numbers just completely fell off, and he became like he ended up being moved around to three different teams in in that time, and he just became more of a, a depth defenseman for those teams. So that's where he I feel like that's why the Devils kind of walked away from him on that one is because he just he fell off after he he was drafted. Yeah, I mean, in terms of uh, Bernard, I mean, he, oh, he's, he's got the build for, uh, for a defenseman. But more so, uh, Holscher kind of caught my eye just because I, I thought he was, you know, like you said, not like the the next best, you know, prospect or anything, but he was a good prospect in our organization. Yeah, he was top 20 guy easily. And, and I mean, again, it, it could be a product of being on a loaded Ottawa 67s team. Well, that's, um, that's it, yeah, because he but, finished sixth on the team in points in Ottawa. Yeah, I mean, it could be that or it, it that could be something else. That team's absolutely ridiculous. It's absolutely insane. And Marco Rossi's playing on that team and he's going to be a top five draft pick that it's ridiculous how much they're yeah. loaded but yeah, i would assume they just saw something that that's all you can really say <laughs> yeah we never know what happens yeah. behind the scenes so i'm sure they have a good reason for it but um i'll move into how the rest of the 2018 devil's draft class looks give an update on those guys so ty smith was a 17th overall pick we are well aware of how he's going he'll mm-hmm. be in the red and black come next season back to back whl defenseman of the year this year he had 59 points in only 46 games and worth mentioning it was also his second consecutive year as captain of the spokane team in the ohl i believe whl whl yeah i just said that huh and um (laughs) a point i wanted to bring about whl is out of the three leagues the ohl and the q the WHL is by far the strongest defensively, the structure and everything about them. So it's great to see Ty Smith coming out of that league. And like I said, he looks to be a great pick, one of the better defensemen in that strong mm-hmm. class. That class had Darlene, uh, Jack's brother, Quinn, and also Jesper's brother, 
Adam, um, mm-hmm. who's on the Blackhawks. Yeah, so a Chicago. lot of good defensemen in that draft. So we'll see how Ty does next year in the red and black. Um, then Devils didn't have a pick until that Bernard pick in the fourth round. They didn't have a second or third pick. And that was because, keep in mind, this was the year where the Devils made that awesome run to the playoffs that they really had no business being in but they had a cool run with Hall and Kincaid playing well down the stretch up, baby. Michael Grabner <laughs> and Pat Maroon yep they loaded up at the <laughs> deadline with Byers um, I love the Maroon I wow, love that thing. dude but yeah right <laughs> yeah I like Maroon yeah Maroon is good but Grabner we know that I wonder how Igor Rykov is going to be this year for the Rangers he's got to be close to an NHL appearance no that's who no went idea. the other <laughs> that two went the other way and they grabbed their trade along Great. with the second or third round pick. But um, This is why we don't trade with the Rangers. Yeah, right. But um, <laughs> yeah, I'm interested to see how Rykov does in that deal, but we'll see. So the Devils next picked after that fourth round pick with Bernard was in the fifth round with Akira Schmid, goaltender, Swiss. He's absolutely humongous. I don't know. I think he's 6'6", but he is, he's a huge frame. He plays in the USHL. I think that's I get these brief. Yeah, I think I all. saw him uh, USHL yeah. between two teams this year. Yes, he was. He was traded from Omaha to Seok City. How do you say that? S I O U X. I think it's Sioux City. Yeah, Sioux City. Sioux City. Yep. Yep. So he was traded there, and he did not have a great year. He had an 891 save percentage with Omaha, and then after he got traded, as a .888, which is not great numbers even for the USHL. Mm-hmm. Um, coming into the season, he was probably regarded as a better goaltender prospect as guy uh, Gilly Sen, who played for Binghamton this year. But after that, I'm not 100% sure. I think Sen's probably a better prospect. And I would have Schmidt just inside the top 25 of Devils prospects, but he did have a rough year this year. Yeah. So that's not great to see, but I'm sure he'll turn it around and getting traded midseason probably did not help the cause, but yeah. Oh, well. And then Igor Sharangovich was the next pick in this draft. He had himself a good year. Um, he, he was a little surprised down mm-hmm. in Binghamton, like a lot of guys was. He's a Belarusian. He's from <laughs> Belarus. He's a, he plays center down in Binghamton. He served as a third, fourth line role this year played a lot in the penalty kill he was great in that role he only had 25 points in 57 games but like i said he's more of that third line checker guy who's going to be on the power uh the penalty kill (laughs) so point production although technically important i wouldn't get too worked up about that it was an improvement too he had 17 in 68 games the previous season so 25 and 57 that's a that's a good improvement yeah as for what he projects out down the future, I think he could touch NHL. I think he could be a fourth line centerman type guy, penalty kill specialist. Um, Devils have a lot of these guys in their system, so we'll see how that goes. But for where he's picked in the draft, I don't think that's bad value. Um, no. But Definitely he was fun to watch. There. Yeah, he was fun to watch play in Binghamton this year. It was a lot of fun to see him play. A lot of guys did well this year. Surprised. But um, last guy in this draft, he was a seventh round pick. And I'm sure a lot of fans even haven't even heard of him, and I don't blame him. His name's Itu Pakila. Um, he's a young left winger that plays in his native country, junior hockey in Finland. Solid production in the junior league, mm-hmm. 60 points in 52 games. This was the U20 league. 
And yep. this year he played in the Liga, mm-hmm. like normal Liga against men. It's a top league in Finn, uh, Finland. He only had 11 points in 39 games. But keep in mind, he's a 20-year-old kid playing against men. Yeah. Um, 28, 30 years old. It's kind of like a huge old. situation a little bit, just adapting to the bigger play and bigger physical style. Yeah, so uh, 11 points in 39 games isn't all that bad. And also worth mentioning, this year he played in the second-tier Finland Professional League, and he had 14 points in 18 games. So it's like your AHL of the Liga. Mm-hmm. And 14 points in 18 games, that's great production. Um, he looks to be a great value for a seventh-round pick. And for me, he's my favorite so far in this draft class, besides mm-hmm. Ty Smith, of course. But he's my favorite prospect in this draft class so far. you guys have anything to say about the uh, class overall? I mean, I kind of looked into it. I mean, uh, Schmid... He he had a bad year this year. We all kind of went over that, but <clears throat> I mean, there's there's still potential there. Uh, before last, before this season, so last season with uh, Omaha, I know he posted a, a nine two six save percentage, two point one uh excuse me, two point one eight goals against average in thirty seven games. So it's it's there. We could see him bounce back. Uh, you just kind of hope he does next season. And then Sharon Govich. Yeah, I want to see him with a full year and not getting traded midseason. But he was struggling before he got traded, so who knows? Yeah. And like I said, yeah, this keep in mind. Yeah, you got to keep in mind the. I'm pretty sure the league goaltending average in the USHL is lower than like than you think. Nine ten is probably average NHL. Yeah, but um, the USHL is probably a little lower. So go ahead, Chris. Yeah, Shannon Govich was uh, impressive too. Because I mean, we touched on how he went up from seventeen points to twenty five this year, but the fact that he also uh, so last year seventeen points, he was also minus seventeen, and that was through sixty eight games. This year, twenty five points plus thirteen, and through fifty seven games. So couple less games uh, by about 11 um, up in points and probably most importantly he's up in that plus minus which hopefully translates into a good defensive game and then when it comes to Pekilla I mean I I really when I was looking up everything on him uh, it just reminded me of like I said a kind of a huge situation where moving up into the next league getting used to that bigger size and everything because I mean I saw he was a junior a champion for when he was on that U20 team he was first all-star team in that junior a league um, so he, he's got a lot in terms of talent. Uh, I think it's just the first season. That's for a seventh round pick. Yeah. So, yeah, that's great. Value. First season Corey. moving into that league. Got anything good to say here? No, just happy yeah, they drafted Ty Smith. <laughs> yeah, right. I think well, we all kind of are right now. <laughs> yeah, he looks like he and the Devils desperately need that stud type defenseman. Um, I can't remember the last time they drafted a stud type. D guy Severson was a second round pick, mm. um, but um, yeah, that's good to see. Yeah, for me, this draft hinges largely on what Ty Smith becomes. If Ty Smith becomes this top four guy, even better than that, one of the better defensemen, this draft's a by far a big win. Um, but you were kind of already uh lacking here with only having what they have four picks five picks because yeah. of those trades yeah i don't know sharon govich looks like he could provide something that pekila guys an exciting south round pick but we'll see by the way last stud defenseman uh adam larson number four overall uh i think i think we know the rest of the story there 
Yes. Hey, I was a big Adam Larson guy when he was here. Man, oh, no, I was I too. But we, we know uh, what, what ended yeah, up happening down the line with that. But, uh, I liked him at first, and then, then I grew to not like him when he was sent down to Albany for a little while, because when he was there, he just didn't care. <laughs> yeah, that, um, so <laughs> the year, there was a lockout year somewhere in there, and didn't the players, a lot of them, go down and play with the AHL affiliates, so we saw guys like Henrik and Larson playing with Binghamton, or Albany? Uh, some yep, of right, them that that. some of them went and played in Europe, I think Eliash went and played in Europe. Yep. So yep. one of those games in Atlantic City, Henry, I got to see Henrik and Larson play, which is pretty cool seeing them down there. It was weird, though, because, you know, they should be in the NHL. But yeah. All right. Yep. Good stuff. So, Corey, <laughs> take, take it away. We got your exciting history segment, Donuts and Dynasties. What you got for us today? Uh, so I figured since last week I dove into the 94-95 uh, the championship team and the affiliation with uh, the Albany River Rats, who also won the championship that year. And the cool little fun fact about how the Devils and the Montreal Canadiens are the only two professional hockey franchises that have won a championship at both the major and minor league levels. I wanted to look a little bit more into the, uh, the Devils minor league affiliations and how they indirectly helped create the Carolina Hurricanes. I'm not sure if you guys knew about that or not. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I have no idea where this is going. (laughs) So um, going back in the Devils affiliation history, they have actually been affiliated with six different AHL teams. Um, Do you guys happen to know who the first team was ever that the Devils were ever affiliated with the American Hockey League? Is this including like Kansas City, Colorado, or are we talking just no, Devils? No, no, don't, don't, don't count, don't, don't count Kansas City or Colorado. Okay, those were some pretty, pretty bad years there. Was there Adirondack? What's that? Adirondacks. Yeah. Well, they're, is there they're, any they're teams current, down there? Their current ECHL, ECHL is there right now. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. my only guess. I mean, I know of uh, <laughs> Albany and Binghamton. Um, I, I don't, I don't think I know of any others. <laughs> All right. So the the very first AHL affiliate of the Devils was the Maine Mariners. Okay. Um, Maine hockey, huh? Yep. Yep. So now the funny thing is between Maine and now currently Binghamton with the Binghamton Devils is both Binghamton and up in Maine. Uh, in Maine, they played in uh, Portland. Mm -hmm. Um, Both Portland and both Binghamton have now shared an affiliation with both the Devils and the Rangers. Interesting. (laughs) So you can only imagine how torn the fans are in both of those (laughs) cities right now. (laughs) But um, but going back to Maine there, the only like a player that's really memorable who played for Maine and then ended up going to the Devils was Ken Danico. Um, Other than that, yeah, yep, yep. Can I get a... uh, can I get a Maine Ken Danico jersey? I feel like those would be that would be sick to have. You know, it was funny. I was when I was actually looking up some stuff on them. I was looking for like specific jerseys of when they were affiliated with the Devils, and I can't find much. So I'm wondering if they were still wearing the jerseys that they had beforehand. Because at one period of time, they were affiliated with the Philadelphia Flyers, and their oh, jerseys based. Yeah, so so they got that too for them. The Flyers, Rangers, and Devils. Oh, um, Good. <laughs> No, but their jerseys originally looked like Philadelphia Flyers jerseys, but if you were to cut the wing off of the Flyer logo and turn it upside down and make it into an M, that's what it basically looked like. That's that's what their jerseys were. But I can't find much of any images of when they were affiliated with the Devils or what their jerseys look like. I can't even find a picture of Ken Danico in uh, in a Mariners jersey or anything like that. Well, what year is that going to be? Like early 80s? Like mid 80s? Yeah, they were affiliated with them for four years, from 83 to 87. Yeah. 
Okay. Yep. Good stuff. But yeah, current, no idea. But, but yeah, but but yeah, going back to what you were talking about before, how I was saying how Adirondack, the Adirondack Thunder are the Devils' current ECHL affiliate. Mm-hmm. The Rangers' yep. current ECHL affiliate is the Maine Mariners right now. <laughs> yeah, I just I so, looked that up. Those yeah. I didn't know Maine yep. still had a hockey team. But um, yep, yep, good yep. stuff. So going into uh, um, how they helped kind of create the Carolina Hurricanes, um, back in the mid-90s, hockey down south wasn't like a big thing at all, um, and neither were minor league sports. Minor league baseball was actually starting to really pick up because they took a new ways of advertising and promoting games, doing more giveaways and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So a couple owners from a minor league baseball team down there decided to take a stab at minor league hockey. <laughs> so they ended up uh, securing a franchise, and they bought an arena in an old building that was meant to host chickens and farm animals. So they laid an ice surface down, put in stands for about 5,000 seats, and they started selling tickets, and they were getting ready to prepare for you know teams to come in or the team to come in and start playing. Well, when the team got ready to start practicing on the ice, there was no lines or logos or anything painted on the ice. The owners oh, were so... Oh, my goodness. Yeah, they were so blind how hockey operated that they didn't even know that ice that, that the ice needed paint on it for the game to be played. <laughs> now, what year was this? This was in the early 90s, believe it or not. <laughs> okay, so it's not like they have the incapabilities of like checking out how other... Teams do it through pictures and stuff. Right. So they were starting to see like minor league hockey was starting to take off, specifically the ECHL down south. And there was, you know, other neighboring cities that were getting franchises and they were starting to grow really big. And Mm -hmm. it was mainly because they were starting to find affiliation agreements with NHL and AHL teams. So this team in Raleigh was named the Raleigh Ice Caps, and they ended up signing an affiliation agreement with the Devils in 93. And they were affiliated with them from 93 to 1998. And it was because they learned promotional tactics of how the NHL operated and how the Devils operated and stuff like that, that they ended up seeing a massive, massive amount of success down there. They uh, mm-hmm. ended up selling out almost every single game. Um, they took their uh, they took their team to the finals in their third year of operation, which is kind of funny because now you can say in Devils franchise history, in a two-year span, all three of their teams went to the finals and two of them won a championship. So um, That's definitely interesting because I think Carolina is one of those areas where we have a good like road presence in terms of fans and that's what I was getting to is this is kind of the reason why you see a large presence of Devils fans at Carolina Hurricanes games because the Devils played a huge part in the history of why they have hockey down there that's so awesome. the whole so the whole reason why they kind of fell apart is the colleges down there, um, they needed a new arena to host college basketball down there. So that's when they started you know, constructing the arena that now hosts the, the, the Carolina Hurricanes. Mm-hmm. Originally, the, Amer- the American Hockey League was going to move in there. But when there was such growing buzz and excitement for the American ho- for, for hockey, that really put um, the, the radar on for the NHL and eventually, you know, eventually would become the home for the, uh, the Carolina Hurricanes and, and would be relocation from Hartford when they were the Whales. Um, so, but going back to the ice caps there, there's not too many notable players from the team that eventually came to the Devils, uh, except for two. One of them is Mike Lappin, and the only connection he has to the Devils is aside from the fact that he played for the team that's affiliated with them. Nick? He is the uncle. Yep, he is the uncle of Nick Lappin. Yep. There you <laughs> so go. So that's the only connection there. The um, the other the other guy, the other player, is a guy, player by the name of Christoph Oliwa. You guys familiar with him at all? That sounds very familiar. Yeah. I, <laughs> he was I a fighter, wasn't he? 
He was a fighter, wasn't he? He was. He was. He was a big. He was a big dude. He was known as the Polish Hammer. Um, He still to this. He still to this day holds the single season record for the Devils in penalty minutes. So he's got that going. (laughs) Um, What's that number at? Do you do you know the number off the top of your head? It it was. uh, It was two hundred and ninety-five. See, I wish I live in a world where hockey players still racked up that many penalty minutes. <laughs> we'll never see someone I mean, like that again. I mean, he's, <laughs> I need more Ty Domi to the league. Yeah. Well, he, well, speaking of Ty Domi, he, he he pummeled Ty Domi a few times back in the day. But he was a big dude. He was six foot five, two hundred and fifty four pounds. Jesus. Um, the other cool, yeah. The other cool thing about him is he he's the only Polish player to have his name on the Stanley Cup. There's nobody else of Polish descent on the Stanley Cup. He is the only Polish player to be on the Stanley Cup. Um, so that was, uh, he was, he played a really prolific role in, especially the 2000 team. The only sad thing was, is he was injured before the playoffs. So he didn't get to actually play in the playoffs or the finals or anything like that, but he played enough regular season games that he was eligible to have his name, um, etched on the cup. So, but yeah, he, uh, he was probably the only one who who played, you know, pretty much a a big role on the team back then. Who was a transfer from that time? He was huge in Albany. We played for the Albany River Rats. He was he was a fan favorite there because, you know, like then, it, like like you talked about, it was it was a big time when players were racking up penalty minutes, beating each other up, um, beating each other up. Yeah, it always gets you to be a fan favorite. If you could pummel the guy across. Gotta from get you. noticed. <laughs> Gotta get noticed, baby. Well, well, another funny thing about what happened with Oliwa is in the minor leagues, because he was drafted by the Devils in 1993. He was taken in the third round, like 65th overall. And immediately, like he played in New Jersey for a little bit, but immediately he was sent down to Albany and played for the River Rats. But the funny thing was, is in that time, that was when the, the Albany River Rats were a brand new team. And the franchise had actually, they semi-relocated from Utica. It was more of the Utica franchise was purchased and moved to St. John's. And then the, the Devils were actually a brand new franchise that was birthed out of a an IHL team that basically broke down. Or the Albany River Rats, I'm sorry, were that. So a lot of the players who were drafted by the Devils but were assigned to Utica, still some of them ended up going with the team in St. John's to start playing in St. John's. So when the season started that year and you had the new St. John's Flames who were formerly the Utica Devils and you have this brand new Albany River Rats team who are now affiliated with the Devils, there was an issue right there with, with player transfer because it doesn't it didn't work back then like it does now with, with waivers and sending guys up and down. It was completely different back then. So the pro, so what New Jersey had to do is they had to officially loan Oliwa to the St. John's Flames for the first half of the year but then when Lou Lamorello wanted him back they had to initiate a trade so even though Oliwad technically belonged to the Devils to get him back to playing in Albany they had to make a trade with the team he was playing on in St. John's sounds messy <laughs> yeah it, it, it was it was so it's like I mean the, the the draft system back then was was completely different I mean it was it was it was and weird how it operated back then to, to this day with all that I feel like hockey is one of the more confusing sports with all the minor league teams and all that stuff and yeah, I can imagine how system. it was back in the day 
So well, you know, it it, it was confusing, but at the same time, it was it, it, it was separated nicely because you basically had four different leagues that kind of controlled everything, and now it's kind of turned into the AHL is taking over everything, and then the teams that they're leaving behind are trying to pick up the scraps as ECHL teams. Yeah. So that's where it's making it really confusing right now. Is you've got all these cities that are trading things off, rather than when they used to have just four different leagues that kind of operated in different territories and served different purposes. It was actually kind of less confusing back then in that aspect. But as gotcha. far as like when sending sending players up and sending them down, that part was a little bit more a little bit more of a hassle. But that was pretty much all I had for this week. And I figure good, I'll good uh, stuff. Dive in a little bit more. Yeah, for this that. is <laughs> this is definitely a good segment to have because I don't know the the demographics of our listeners, but me sitting here as a young kid and I'm only uh, I'm only 22 years old. I, I wasn't around for all this, so it's cool listening yep. to these stories. Um, so I appreciate that, Corey. Look forward to this again next week. But um, we'll swing it over. Yeah, we'll swing it over to Chris, <laughs> and Chris will get us into our uh, sweater segment. Can you explain to our listeners what this is all about? Absolutely. So um, everybody knows, and, and if you don't know, now you're gonna know. Ninety nine percent of being good at hockey is looking good. Um, that's from your sweater uh, to making sure the mitts match. Absolutely. You, you, how you tape your stick, everything. Are you are you going to rock a bubble, a fish bubble, fishbowl? If you are, you got to have the skill. So it's all, it's all that's 99% of it. Um, so with that being said, got a little sweater information for you. Um, so the Coyotes recently just came out and appeased many of their fans uh, by saying the Kachina jerseys will be staying for the rest of the season for their home games. And uh, based off what they said, which was very brief and not too informative, it seems like it'll be every home game uh, when this play resumes, including in the playoffs, depending on how far they go. Um, the Kachina jerseys, for those of you who don't know, that's the, the old school um, has like the Coyote with like half of the mask and half the coyote, and it's it's. Yeah, I'm we'll, not sure what to uh, we'll, call the design and stuff, but yeah, we'll drop. What we'll do is we'll drop all these jerseys we're gonna talk about somewhere, so you guys can see what we're talking about because you know we're talking about it, and you yeah. can't really might not get the picture in your head, but we'll find a way to drop them. So yeah. you guys know what we're I, talking about. I've got one that's a, a Jr. So uh, I got Ronick uh, in a Kachina style. Um, so they're gonna be wearing those the rest of the year for the home games. Um, in terms of 2020, 2021, no one really knows because they didn't say. Um, pretty much the all they tweeted was you asked we answered when we return to play we'll be wearing kachina jerseys um i believe sportsnet or somebody reached out and and found out it was for the remaining season home games which is expected to include the playoffs Um, but no one really knows about next year if they're going to carry that over or not um and then since we got that kind of sweater news i wanted to check with you guys and, and we'll start with james here uh you got any favorite sweaters any two okay Yep, so I'll throw uh, my top two at you. Um, my first is the Winnipeg Jets retro old-timer jerseys, what they were gotcha. back in the day before they moved to, or however, before the, when the Thrashers were, Yeah, the were, original like, kind of Jets style. Yeah. Well, they moved and, to Arizona. They moved to Arizona. Yeah, I don't know how all that worked, but yeah. before they moved <laughs> to Arizona, it's what they repped. Mm-hmm. Um, the J is a little hockey stick. We'll get this on the page. I'm a big fan of those. It's not the most recent retro they wore for whatever it was. Yeah, I really the like Heritage those. game. It's a little bit of a different style. Yeah, 
it yeah it's a nice nice really nice jersey um my second one chris i think you have this jersey is the st louis blues stadium series jerseys yes, just like powder blues nice. mm-hmm. i love those I things um they got the powder blue with the like the yellow stripes at the bottom one of my but, favorite um, yeah. classic jerseys ever yeah i love those things so those are my top two Corey. let's hear your top two so I got kind of a theme with all my top jerseys. Um, so my fr- my first pick is the Columbus Blue Jackets third jersey. Uh, oh, I love okay. The, the, yeah, okay. Yeah, I love the dark navy blue color. I, the 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 light blue pinstriping in white. But the biggest thing I like, I love the Canon logo right on the front of it. I was gonna it say just that has a very yeah. old timey feel. That Canon logo is awesome. You ever been um, to uh, Nationwide Arena? I no, have with, with the with the damn cannons. Yeah, I went <laughs> once a couple years back, and like when people are like, "Oh yeah, the cannons, haha, funny joke." Everyone complains about them. No, they suck. They scare the hell out of you. <laughs> <laughs> they give you zero warning. <laughs> but go ahead, sorry. Um, but the my next pick is the the Blues Reebok uh, third third jerseys, the the dark navy blue ones that have the the Blues logo with the arch in the background. They have uh, okay. just a little bit of yellow yellow on the trim of the collar, but they're mostly just dark blue and white. And I, don't know, I've just, I got gotcha. you. I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of the blue style in general. The only jerseys I hated so was like during the Green the Gretzky era. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But other I like than the blue that, stuff. yeah. All right, Chris. Let's hear your top two. So uh, this this first one, uh, it's been my favorite for a while. There there really hasn't been anything that's uh, topped it. There's been some that have come close, but I'm a big fan of that Minnesota Wild, the green with the beige and the word script of the Minnesota Wild oh, going in a diagonal. I got you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I like the one. script too. Yep, I, yeah, I, I like that one. I think it's clean. There. It's classic. Um, and then my next one, I, I had to think about this, but. I'm just a big fan of the the Capitals throwback jerseys, the the red and white with the stars and everything. Um, okay. I don't think it's a, a new alternate. I'm pretty sure it's a throwback to what they used to wear. Um, yeah. I was very much between that and the uh, the all black for San Jose probably is my second one. Um, gotcha. And by the way, if any if any Devils people are listening, like people who are in charge of the jerseys, um, if you could make like an all black alternate with like red piping or trim, uh, I'd buy that in a heartbeat, and that would be my number one. Just just a tip. I'm throw it <laughs> yeah, out there. I'm sure uh, I'm sure the Devils jersey guy are listening to us. So shout out to uh, you and, uh, and listen to what Chris <laughs> said. But um, all right, we'll move on to our least two favorite jerseys. I'll throw you mine first. The old Predators jerseys with those absolutely insane yep. color schemes they had on those things now the <laughs> emblem itself was pretty cool i dug the emblem with the the sharp tooth showing but um the colors just makes no sense on those things it's like a weird yellow type thing but yeah those are those are not great and i i don't know if this is a thing where people actually like these things but the canucks flying v jerseys does you know what jerseys See, those, are, about? those are one of those jerseys where they're so bad they're iconic that you love yeah, like, <laughs> what is that thing like it, that's that's like the Steelers the Bumblebee jerseys in the NFL <laughs> like what do you even think in there but um all right yeah those are my worst too we'll throw it over to Chris let's let's hear your worst too um so I actually did have one that was on your list as well um the the uh, Nashville Predators jersey with that mustard and, and the 
Yeah, the really, colors just make no sense. The, the tiger logo going on on there. For those of you who don't know, that Sabretooth tiger logo we're talking about, it's not the same as the one they have now. It's like a front-facing one, and it's just like, it looks like something out of a comic book, basically. No, I don't mind the I don't mind the emblem. I think the emblem mm-hmm. looks pretty cool. The colors are what gets yeah. me going. It, it, was, it was definitely weird, but I think it was like one of their first jerseys, too. So yeah, one was. of their first cracks at it. Yep. Um, of course, by the way, any Rangers jersey, you know, by default, I don't think we need to mention that. But um, <laughs> the... Uh, you know, Winter Classic, Retro, I don't care. Um, that's never going to be a favorite. But uh, the Islanders Fisherman jerseys were definitely uh, definitely one of those jerseys that they were bad, but just over time, it's like you start to like love them for how bad they were. <laughs> yeah, I saw those on my list, too. I, I didn't have it on my list, but I came across those when I was looking. But, uh, all right, cool. Uh, Corey? Uh, so you kind of took one of mine there. I was definitely on the fence between the the Vancouver Flying V jerseys and just the yeah. general black jerseys with their old logo with the the skate that's made up of like a million different lines. <laughs> yeah, I didn't mind it when they had the skate logo, but without it, it was it was kind of weird. I don't mind those. I think those are pretty cool. Those yeah. like alternate jerseys they got going on. I like those. I just the V's I hate. Um, and my other one was was nashville as well going back to their inaugural season those awful navy blue jerseys with this the bright silver shoulders those were just atrocious yeah Um, oh yeah good stuff Uh, i got a couple honorable mentions here for least favorite the la king's old jerseys um i don't even know how to describe them they look like what the san diego nll lacrosse team jerseys look now um i'll I'll post them but i want to they're just really ugly Um, are you talking about the king of hearts jersey the Burger King be. jersey? Uh, yeah, that's it. That's <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, what, yeah, whatever yeah. Chris has said. The Burger the one King that looks jersey. like a playing card and it looks yeah, like Burger King on the it's, it's known as the King of Hearts jersey. <laughs> that is pretty um, bad. One of my ones I liked, honorable mention, is uh, I know the Penguins, but their winter classic jerseys, like the, the classic powder blue ones with the white and the yeah. dark blue. I think those are just real clean looking. But um, do you guys have any, any honorable mentions you guys want to talk about or? I mean, my my honorable mention would probably be the I mentioned the San Jose all black jerseys. Um, I'm I'm a fan of the Toronto St. Pat's jersey. That's a nice one to wear in March. Yeah, they're clean with the white gloves or or the green gloves, whatever gloves they wear. Yeah, those are clean. Yeah, that'd be on a shout out list for me. Yep. Yeah, one of my favorite ones that I didn't mention there was the the, the Sabres jersey that they just dropped this past. Last year, that 50th anniversary jersey, the one that's uh, it's all white with the gold and like navy blue striping around it. Yeah, those are very nice. Really, really nice looking. It's it's kind of cool if you look at them too, because if you go and if you go and look at the picture and you you zoom in a little bit, you can actually see in the logo itself. There's a lot of detail in the emblem itself. So those are really neat. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know how you guys are, but I got I was I thought it was funny when people were losing their minds when the contract switched over to uh, switched over to Adidas now, right? Yep. Is that what they switched over? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm not Adidas, like, like bought Reebok, so yeah. I'm I'm not one of those guys that are like, oh man, that jersey just terrible. I'm so angry. I really don't care. I mean, if you look nice, that's great. I, I know Chris said 99 percent of why you play good is jersey, but yeah. I just thought it's funny people were getting real mad about that. <laughs> but I don't know how you guys are. But to end the segment out, let's hear your uh, favorite Devils jersey of all time. So, uh, Chris, go ahead. Um. So. 
it's it's so hard because the devils have always done this new jersey and then you know when they show it it's just like they just move the the bars or the striping that's that's really all that's changed um i was a fan of them bringing back the uh the red and green in the in the white heritage i did like that 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 would probably yeah. be my favorite right now just to gotcha. kind of be different from what they had so yeah, for me, it's the Stadium Series jersey they wore against the Rangers however many years ago. Yeah, that I like green. the white ones. I like the white ones that they just brought back, but I'm more of a fan of the red, green, and right? Mm-hmm. That's what they wore. The, yeah, that they, wore the, they wore the retro colors, basically. Yeah, I like so, those. So it's kind of weird. They like, advertised it with chrome, but they didn't so do chrome. Same thing. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm torn between the, the, red, the red and greens, whether the home or away. I really like both of them, so that's, that's my pick for those. <laughs> Gotcha. All right. Good stuff. That was a fun little segment, the whole Jersey thing. And like I said, well, uh, maybe we'll make a Twitter account for our podcast so we could throw all these pictures we talk about up there so you guys can see what we're talking about. That'll give you a better idea to look at. But um, now we'll mm-hmm. move over to segment number five, and I'll talk about the three prospects I chose this week. Um, so the three I'm going to talk about are Cole Perfetti, Jake Sanderson, and Hendricks LaPierre. I'll start with Perfetti. Perfetti is one of my favorite. There's about four or five prospects in this first round where I really, really love. And we talked about Seth Jarvis last week. He was one of them. Perfetti's another one. He's absolutely electric and offensive machine. Um, he's an 18-year-old Canadian center. He's a little older for the draft, I think. Nothing terrible, though. He's a left wing currently. I actually, we'll, we'll talk more about that. He played center in juniors, but people think he might move to left wing. I'll talk about that in a little bit. He's on the smaller side. He's listed at 5'10", but he's 177 pounds, which isn't terrible. In the greater Toronto Hockey League, this was when he was a younger kid before he moved into the uh, – Moved into the OHL. He played in the Greater Toronto Hockey League. And his production in this league, when you guys have free time or if you're ever bored, go on Elite Prospects and just look at some of these kids' productions in like their earlier junior careers. Some of these numbers are just ridiculous. But in the GTHL, he had better production than Tyler Sagan and Mitch Marner points per game. He was more successful than they were. And I'll read into this what you will, but I think that's a pretty good praise. In the Mm -hmm. OHL, past two years, he was dominant. Both years draft minus one season he was more than a point per game player 74 points in 63 games and this year the guy absolutely exploded he had 111 points 74 of which were assists and a plus 49 rating so after the gthl he moved to the ohl where he's been for the past two years and he's been absolutely dominant both in his draft minus one season where he had 74 points in 63 games and he is on the older side but this production is more um than some of the higher guys like i'm pretty sure byfield wasn't a point per game player in his draft minus one season but that's only because byfield's a lot younger he's like 17 now so he was 16 when he's playing in his draft minus one season perfetti was 18 but that's something that's kind of impressive. So this year he had a hundred uh, perfetti. This is I'm talking about now. He had 111 points, 74 of which were assists and a plus 49 rating. I know plus minus. However, you look at that Yeah. in only 61 games, 111 points in mm-hmm. 61 games. That's ridiculous. So this point total 111 was 31 more points than anyone on his team. And second most in the OHL only behind Marco Rossi mm-hmm. and Rossi is going to be a top five pick or at least he should be. Um, 
Also in the Holinka Gretzky Cup, which is a, I don't know if you guys are familiar with, but it's basically a tournament that the younger guys play and the junior guys play. Yeah. And he was dominant this year. He had 12 points, which led the tournament. It was more than the likes of Quentin Byfield, who I just spoke about, who's the consensus number two overall pick. Mm-hmm. But when you look at his stats um, on elite prospects, it's just absolutely insane. But um, yeah, all good stuff stats wise. So I'll get into a little bit about his strengths and weaknesses. Offense is his biggest strength, <laughs> yeah. whether it be shooting, playmaking. He's an extremely smart player, and that's what's helped his um, playmaking. He's probably more of a, I don't know, it's tough to say because he did have 74 assists. But in terms of his goal scoring ability, I feel like it's better than Rossi's is. And Rossi's a better playmaker, but yeah. both these guys are tremendous on both ends of the ice. I feel like that's um, what the Devils really need, too. They've got plenty of playmakers, but they need someone yeah. who can put the puck in the back of the net. Yep, and both guys could do it, especially Perfetti. But uh, so yeah, his offense, hockey IQ, awareness, all great stuff. As for his weaknesses, and this guy doesn't, I, I wouldn't even call them weaknesses. It's just like an area you got to focus on. His uh, defense doesn't work, and it's not his like defensive abilities per se. It's more of his effort in these zones. You're in the 111 point score in only 61 games. I could, I, I wouldn't mind if he took off a little bit in the defensive zone to get your energy and get ready to go on the other I side. I wonder if that guys, had to but... do with this transition from center to wing because center is a little bit more yeah. of a defensively responsible position. You have to yep. be more so defensively I'm a, responsible. Yeah, I'm going to speak about that in a second. But um, his defense, he has the ability. He just didn't put forth the effort needed to be successful in this ice area of the ice because, gotcha. like I said, he has a really strong hockey IQ and his awareness mm-hmm. is great. Um, another area he may want to work on is his strength. He's like I said, he's only five foot ten, 177 pounds. 177 pounds isn't bad, but he's a young kid that'll bulk up. And by bulking up, he'll be able to win more board battles and also not get knocked off the pucks so easily. And the board battle issue goes will make him stronger defensively. A quote that Scott Wheeler, the athletic, got from the Spirits head coach where he played in the OHL. Spirit head coach, I know it's his own player, but he said that Perfetti may well go down in the future as the best player in this draft or at least one of the best, which is a high praise um, mm-hmm. from a head coach. So now this issue about left wing and center people, people want to, he played mainly center yeah. in the OHL and People are saying because of his defensive issues, they want to move him to left wing. But a lot of people also said when he played a little bit of left wing in the OHL that his game got even worse defensively. I don't know how true that is, but it's going to be interesting to see where he translate. I feel like he could definitely get away with playing left wing. Um, yeah, it just depends on understanding systems yeah. and stuff and, and what your know, role but, is. Um, so. Yeah. Uh, either way, Perfetti is an absolutely electric player. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I have him right outside my top five. I have him right now above Alexander Holtz just because I feel like Perfetti is his offensive talents are too much, but Holtz is definitely better defensively, and Holtz also is the better pure goal scorer. So I have them too close. It could go either way, but I just mm-hmm. I love this Perfetti kid. Um, so we'll move on to the next. Jake Sanderson, a little change of pace. He's a defenseman. Like Byfield, he's extremely young. He's only 17 years of age. He has great size for that age. He's six foot two, stands at six foot two. He's a left-handed shot. 
he plays his junior hockey in the U.S. development program, much like Jack Hughes did. Right. The only difference here is Sanderson, 17 years old. He's actually committed to the University of North Dakota. A little college hockey talk for you guys on Some the pod. college hockey. Yeah, so he's going to the University of North Dakota, which will help him tremendously given how young he is. And, of course, hockey player at college in North Dakota. I feel like that's going to be a nice little life for him. But. Mm-hmm. He crammed so he three years worth of school in two years to get there. Did they really? I didn't know that. Yeah, That's cool yeah, fact. he did. Both, both, both him and Cole Perfetti are actually really smart guys. Like Cole, for, Cole, uh, Cole Perfetti won the CHL's uh, Scholastic Player of the Year award because uh, he finished with like a, a grade of like ninety four percent. Jeez, but um, hockey players I mean, do have brains. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, <laughs> That makes total sense on what I'm about to say about Sanderson and how I was raving about Perfetti's like hockey IQ and his awareness, how he's just an extremely smart player. And um, yeah, so Sanderson, he's going to the University of North Dakota, like I said. He currently plays in the U.S. developmental program. And for you guys don't don't understand that, it's it's very complicated. It took me a little bit to to get down. I'm probably not even explaining it 100% correctly. But this team he plays for played both against the USHL teams. The USHL is a league of its own. It's what Akira Schmidt played in. So those teams mm-hmm. like CO City and Omaha, the Team USA, USA development program will play those teams. And he also, his team will play Sanderson's. This is, um, will go around and play other countries, junior teams. And they'll sometimes also play they'll do some scrimmages with college. Teams. Yeah. Yeah, they play some NCAA teams, which is cool to watch. Um, and these kids are a lot younger than the kids who are playing the U.S. development teams and the NCAA teams. But, um, yeah, so as for his skill sets, his strengths are his defensive abilities. He's going to be the – I would be very surprised if he isn't the best defensive defenseman in this draft. He does have offensive upside, but he his defensive abilities are the best in this draft ahead of Jamie Drysdale. And also, mm-hmm. I'll talk about King Gooley down the road, but I, another guy. And I absolutely love, but um, I put Gooley right behind Sanderson in terms of their pure defense abilities. Um, some of these abilities I like is his positioning. Like I said, he's a really smart kid. So he's always has great positioning up and down the ice, especially one-on-one battles and maintaining gap control. So some distinct areas defensively um, with his size. He's also plays physical along the boards, which is good with board battles and helps him create turnovers. Weaknesses is his offensive game. I wouldn't call it a weakness, but his production point production is yeah. a bit subpar for a guy like him. That's why he won't go on the side, the top 10. Um, my rankings have him at 12th, around 12th, right outside the top 10. But I have him as the second defenseman taken off the board and the best defensive defenseman in the entire draft. <laughs> Lastly, I'll talk about Hendricks Lapierre. Very interesting. Um, coming into this season he had top 10 pick aspirations he could have been a top 10 pick but as the theme of this poor kid's junior career has been injuries oh boy he's suffered three concussions in a period of eight months yeah that's 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 scary yes yeah that's scary but as for like his point production all that good stuff he's a center he sits at six foot tall so he's good size down the center he plays in the queue of the Canadian Hockey League. His draft minus one season, he was also banged up this year or that year. He still tallied 45 points in 48 games, which is a great draft minus one. Nothing to complain there. Of course, 48 games, he missed time in that season as well. Let's see. 
So, like I said, he had huge expectations coming into this season, top 10 pick aspiration, but the injuries once in 10 got him three concussions in eight months. He also had a shoulder ailment he was battling. So it's not only his head, it's other places on his body as well. So he was able to play 19 games this year. He had only two goals, but he had 15 assists, a total of 17 points. And once again, this was playing through injuries. Keep that in mind. So now in the skill set, strengths is his playmaking ability. He's a playmaking center who plays uh, solid defensively as well. On the offensive side, he has tremendous vision and his passing abilities are 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 great. Um, he's a great playmaker, like I said, probably one of the better passers in this first round and the guys I've looked at. And his defensive game is also great. Comes back, smart kid. I guess the theme of the three prospects I talked about tonight are they're all really smart, good awareness, yep. and that usually couples with good defense. Mm-hmm. Perfetti's case, defense is a work in progress. But um, LaPierre, he's great defensively. Weaknesses, and of course, you can't talk about him without mentioning his health concerns, whether it be those scary amount of concussions in that short period of time or his other concerns as well as like the shoulder injury he suffered this year. Another weakness of his is his goal scoring ability. He does not put the puck in the back of the net. Like I said, he only had two goals in 19 games this year. He's 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 a I wouldn't call him strictly a playmaker like he could. If the puck, if the net's open, he can put the puck in it, but he's more of a playmaker. And it's kind of crazy watching him play his willingness to not want to shoot the puck. In 170 career junior games, he only had 57 goals. And in junior games, you should be putting up a lot more than 57 goals in this period of time. And his shot as a whole just needs work. And that's why he doesn't use it as much. <laughs> So that's definitely an area you want to concentrate in with him. Another area of weakness, the last one I'll talk about is he gets pushed around a lot. And this goes back to he is he's is six foot tall. So he has the height. He just doesn't have the weight or the strength yet. Yeah. And this whole idea of getting pushed around a lot is the huge reason for all of his injuries he suffered. It's crazy watching this guy's tape. He gets absolutely destroyed. Like I, whether it just be putting himself in a bad position or keeping his head down, he gets mm-hmm. hit a lot, which yeah. is not good to see. If knock on wood for him, he stays healthy. He fights back from these concussions. Scary thing. He should be able to translate to a second line, solid two way player, maybe a third line guy. His ceiling all depends on one, if he's healthy or not. And two, if he's able to develop a shot, because like I said, his shots, not great. And as evident, he only scored two goals in his 19 games. He played this year. But for me, the injury risk is too much. I'd much rather see yeah, the Devils yeah, pass on him. Eat. And even though they have the three first-round picks, hopefully, depending on the conditions as we spoke about, they could really take a risk on him. But I, I, I would just stay away from him. And I have him sitting 22nd in my rankings outside the top 20. But, um, yeah, I don't know if you guys want to add anything. Uh, three solid prospects. It's a shame what happened with LaPierre and his uh, injuries. But I don't know if you guys have anything to add. Yeah, I mean, that's just that's scary to, to think about that uh, concussion history for LaPierre. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's something we're concerned about now just with, with players like Crosby. I mean, whether you like him or you don't, you know, uh, that's that's a whole separate topic. But, um, I yeah, mean, he's a guy anyone, who's had no who it is, a bunch. And we see these guys post-playing career and stuff. Um, there's a lot of good research into it in terms of, like, restoring and, and rehab for it. I guess, like, a, term, a type of, like, medicine. But, uh, yeah, that's not something you really want to be coming into the league with. So, hopefully it's... Hopefully it all works out well for him. 
That's the best yeah, you can especially, say. Especially just for him as uh, outside of hockey. His health is the main concern. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully he gets healthy. But um, All right. So, like I said, we'll move into the segment. Last uh, Second to last segment. Yeah, last second to last segment, the mailbag segment. And I appreciate you guys sending your questions. Hopefully we'll get more in the coming weeks when we run these things again. We got three picked out. And I'll shout out the people who asked the question and what social media they asked it on. And we'll answer them for you. So the first question we have is it was asked by Brennan Scott and Jeremy Schwartz. They both asked like a similar type of question. I like molded in the one and they both asked via Facebook. But the gist of the question is how do you see the Devils upgrading the squad specifically? We're going to focus defensively and whether this be through free agency or trades. And of course, maybe the draft, but. Chris, you want to take this first? Yeah, sure. So um, I'm going to factor in that Ty Smith is already going to be on the roster next year. Agreed. So that's that's one area right there. Um, in terms of how they'll address it, I, I think if they are, it's going to be through free agency. When it comes to the draft, you know, when you draft a defenseman, they're, they're almost never ready immediately. Even if they're like a top pick, there's no guarantee. Um, it just it takes defensemen a little bit longer to develop. Um, So if they're going to address that area, I mean, I would say free agency and it's not a bad free agent class for defensemen either. It's it's pretty not pretty big. There's a lot lot out there. Yeah, you got a lot of options. I mean, you got guys like Tory Krug. If he doesn't resign in Boston, I mean, Brendan Dillon's going to be a free agent. I'm just, and this is like no particular word. I'm just looking at a couple names that are just sticking out right now. Yeah, um, I'm going to talk Pollock, about a few guys I like. So, um, John Merrill, baby. Yeah. I get roasted for this in the chat, but I love John Merrill. He's oh, a no, great I'm a Merrill fan too. Yeah, he's a great bottom pairing guy. I wouldn't mind seeing the Devils reunite with him, but. All right, I'll talk about what I have for this, and then we could hear from Corey. Um, so. As the Devils death chart stands right now, Will Butcher and Ty Smith are both left-handed guys. So Butcher, top four guy, and Smith would be better served as like a bottom pairing guy, given how young he is. And we got Subban and Severson, both right-handed guys. And I know Subban struggled, but he's still going to be a top four guy. Hopefully yeah. manage four minutes and he'll be able to perform and Severson will be their top guy. Um, so that's what it stands right now. And those four, I feel like, definitely be the everyday defense. And then you have Connor Carrick, Mirko Mer- uh, Mueller, and Frederick Clayson, all three guys who I feel like have no business being everyday guys. Um, I'm, I don't know if you guys share this opinion. I would think, right? You guys agree? I, I think they would at least be competing for spots and everything. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think they'd much rather be on a good hockey team, like a top a seventh depth guy. But um, – so for me, they need to look for a top four option, a top four left-handed guy, and a bottom pairing right-handed guy. So that's what I narrowed it down to when I was looking at the free agency specifically. Guys that jump out to me, top four. TJ Brody is a guy I love. His advanced stats are make nerds like me very happy. And he also has a scoring touch. He's a 29-year-old left-handed guy, so he fills that top four role. Another guy, Tori Krug, Chris, you mentioned him. He's going to want a lot of money. Yeah. But again, this is going to be a weird type of free agency with everything going on, so we'll see how that goes. Some bottom pairing or mid-pairing guys I found. Rodko Gudis, I know I'm going to get roasted for this, but I absolutely love Rodko Gudis. His advanced stats are really good, too. Like, people, this mm-hmm. whole, like, the way he plays hockey takes away from how good of a hockey player he really yeah. is so he's the good bottom pairing guy uh trevor van dream jersey boy mm-hmm. another solid guy 
Uh, Mark Pisk, 28-year-old guy, played in Florida. Bottom pairing, uh, cheaper deal would be fine. And then lastly, Dylan DeMello is another guy. He's only 27, but he was on Ottawa this year. He'd be another good uh, fit. As for the draft, um, I feel like the Devils, if they address defense in the draft, it's going to be later in the draft mm-hmm. or with that third pick. It shouldn't be anything earlier. Jamie Drysdale should be a great guy, but I don't feel like the Devils should waste the pick that early on a defenseman. And Jake Sanderson, like I spoke about, he's a great defensive defenseman, but I, I don't think the Devils should go D that early just because how great the forward depth is up there in the draft. That, mm-hmm. That'll be another story for another time. And also, I know we talked about the defensive pool in the Devils system. It's a lot better than people make it out to be. They got Kevin Ball down there. Mm-hmm. They got Ty Smith, Riley Walsh. Got um, your boy, too. Who, Riley Walsh was like, what, a seventh-round pick? He was something bizarre, but he's going to be solid. And then you got a coach. Hook, the Ottawa 67s kid, you got Michiel and Wojcicic. Have fun those two pronunciations, but they were all defense and drafted last year. So, what about your guy Jacobs? Def- yeah, he. I don't know if he'd even. He's a prospect still, but yeah, I love me some Josh Jacobs. He's also down there, but they got some good stuff in the pipeline. What about you, Corey? How do you think they should address and through what type of players? So it was funny when I was, <clears throat> when I was taking my notes and everything earlier, and I was reading the question. I literally wrote three words: defensively, any way possible. <laughs> um, <laughs> hard to disagree with that. Yeah, like I mean, I think out of everything, I think trade should be like last on the list. Um, definitely go through free agency first and 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 see what they can pick up. I don't I don't really think Devils should really push for any major trades. I don't think they need to go for after any type of veteran defenseman either. I think you got enough leadership in the locker room. And they don't have the draft picks to be making trades like that. Right, exactly. But that's that's really where I stand. I, th- I think just the team needs an overall like uphaul on uh, on defense, and just be based on what we've seen over the past couple of years, just to see them see them look a little bit better out there on the ice. Mm-hmm. You gotcha. Good stuff. Um, you guys, get with that question. We'll move on to question number two. Yeah. So question number two, nice, short, and sweet, is from Justin Fall on Facebook. He asked us, who do you want the Devils to pick with the first with their first pick in the draft? Um, this will be a quick question I'll answer first. So we're all presuming that nothing funky happens the lottery and the Devils get the sixth overall pick. That's what yeah, we'll that assume for this question. That was my assumption as well. So ranking them, I have Marco Rossi, my number one target, Lucas Raymond, my number two target, Cole Perfetti, my number three, and Alexander Holtz, my number four in that order right now. Um, Chris, what you got? Yeah, so I, I mean, I assumed the same thing. We were picking six. Um, yep. I, I firmly believe in, in best player available, which with how the rankings keep changing, it seems like every week with players, <laughs> um, it'll kind of be a, a little bit of a range. Uh, but I had a similar list to you. I did have Raymond and Rossi. Um, I did have, uh, I mean, at this rate, I don't know if Stutz will, will still fall. I think he's a little bit too high now. Yeah, um, I went Lundell under the as presumption well. that he'll be, uh, Stutz will be taken. Lundell should be there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but, those are some yeah, of the guys I have on my list since it just keeps Sorry. changing every week. 
What you got for us? Uh, so I, I didn't grab six. I, I I have Cole Perfetti as my top overall. Like I I just like the way he looks and and that that those impressive numbers are just they're they're crazy. And in sixty one games, that's just just nuts. One hundred eleven points. Um, yeah. And aside from aside from him, uh, I know it's 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 a big risk, but I did go with Hendrix Lafayette, um, just because I watched a few videos of him and he's like he's a really really deceptive playmaker, which is something that that I really like. He's he's one of those guys who's really really good at faking out players on passes faking out goalies on shots and everything so but i know he's considered kind of a draft wild card right now with everything that's happened so but those two are the uh, the two that i've kind of gone with right now yeah yeah lapierre would probably a six would probably be too early for lapierre he's probably more of a option in the 20s but yeah i mean if he's oh, healthy he's true, gonna yeah. be a hell of a player but um yeah no perfetti is a great pick i love perfetti but uh yeah all right yeah that was a short sweet quick one um our last question we're gonna answer is from todd d Philippus on facebook he got right to the point will the devils devils ever be relevant again um for me <laughs> i know you're sick and tired of hearing it but the devils are in a great spot going forward and i think i even spoke yes. about this uh, last week I know yep. we're getting sick and tired of hearing it but trust the process well I don't like saying that because I don't like the Sixers but um, ownership but <laughs> yeah yeah, it's a, it's a process that's been a process for sure the Devils prospect system is one of the best in the league. I think it's either two or three behind LA. Um, mm-hmm. The Kings have done a great job drafting over there. You got the likes of Kevin Ball down there, the foot kid they just got in the Coleman trade. You got Boquist still there. Tice Thompson is a guy we'll speak about coming oh, yeah. up. Out of Providence I'm going to make College. a little segment on him. He is ridiculous, and he did crazy things this year. He looks like going to be a really solid prospect. That was a great value pick. Um, Kokanen, he's he's – going to be a solid prospect. Mikhail Maltsev, the, the names. There's so many great prospects in that system. They have at least two first-rounders this year, possibly three. We'll just add to that. Young core of Nico, Jack, Ty Smith, Brat, Severson, Butcher, Blackwood, all young, great players. 20-plus million in cap space. Uh, it's it's going to happen. Trust me. I know it doesn't seem like it, but it's going to happen. It'll come to fruition one of these years. My ETA for playoffs – I wouldn't be surprised if the Devils are flirting with a playoff next season just because the offseason, it really depends on the offseason. But 2022, if they're not in the playoffs, I'm angry because this should all come to fruition by 2022. But I don't know what you guys got. Yeah. Corey, what you got? <clears throat> when will the Devils be when will the Devils be relevant again, Corey? <laughs> I, I don't think it's going to take very long. I think right now, like we, we finally officially in like reset mode now with, with Fitzgerald kind of taking over the reins. And especially if we do get a new, new coach in there, I think that, that this is, this is a really, really good point where we're a completely fresh new team. We've kind of scraped off the last little bit of what was left over from the old era. Um, and I think just, there's, there's a lot of good stuff in the pipeline. You've got a whole new perspective for this team going forward. And I mean, especially, I mean, look, look at what just happened in Binghamton this past season, how the team yep. turned around i mean that's just that's just I an attestment that. to how this is how 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 things are turning around right now so hopefully you can see that transition eventually when things move to the nhl but but i think i think they're in a great spot right now i think they're in a, in a good position to become become what it seems it's talked about in the league again totally agree chris what you got for us yeah i mean uh, you guys basically hit the nail on the head um 
solid prospect pool for the future, uh, both uh, with the forwards and, and a little bit on the back end as well. Um, in terms of when they'll make the playoffs, you know, next year I'm not going to expect them to make the playoffs um, totally because I, I did that, you know, this season. Uh, I'm going to take more of a Mets fan approach to it. I'm just going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go like that. Shout out to you Mets fans who understand that struggle. Um, but, it, but yeah, I mean, the, I think the big thing is uh, we're not – even though the the output and the results may be the same as like say after 2012 we are in no way in the same situation where there was absolutely nothing at the the pro level or in the pipeline prospect wise we're we're in a much better position now for uh long-term success and for that to start occurring like james said soon like I mean, I'm with him. If we're not in the playoffs by 2022, something's up. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, all right, good stuff, boys. This mailbag, we hope to run with it in the next few weeks, so we want to hear all your questions. We'll post the weeks we run it. We'll post like I did around Wednesday on our all of our social media page and ask for your guys' questions. But throw us a good question. We'll answer it. We'll shout you out in the pod, and uh, we hope to keep doing that. Yeah, so absolutely. one last thing. Go ahead, Chris. Uh, so the, I was just going to say, these are, these are great. Uh, keep them yeah. coming. Yep. So one last thing before we uh, let you guys go, we're going to talk about this is something we want to talk about last week, but we ran out of time. The recent rumors about Jack, uh, Jack Eichel becoming exceedingly disgruntled to their losing ways. And, uh, I saw something, I forget what devil's page it was. Um, they brought up a possible package of Jack Hughes for, um, Jack Eichel. I want to get you guys' opinions on that. So, Corey, I know you're uh, you live up in Buffalo. So, what you what you think about this? <laughs> uh, I I mean, I'm torn about it. Like Jack Eichel is, is a really talented player, and I could see a trade like this possibly working out. But to me personally, based on what I've experienced and what I've seen, and based on the opinion of a lot of the fans in Buffalo here, he's he's not great in the locker room. Like he's one of those guys who's just kind of a, a prima donna in the NHL. He, he loves the attention and everything. And when he doesn't get it, he gets kind of, you know, aggravated and everything else. Yeah. Um, I mean, that I'm, I'm, I'm not taking away from the dude's skill at all. He's amazing on the ice. He's, he's really, really good, but I don't think that the devils would need that type of personality in the locker room when they're basically in a reset mode. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. For me, to bring it on. I want it all. I want Jack Eichel to get a bona fide <laughs> superstar. He had 78 points in only 68 games this year. Um, his underlying stats check out for someone how uh, who should like who is elite player like himself. No, no, I don't think there's any way Buffalo. Like I, I know we're all just dreaming here, but I don't know. Yeah, I think the Devils would have had to add more stuff. I don't think it would only take Hughes to get Eichel, but um, I could care. I know what you said about the locker room stuff, but Eichel's just he's he's just crazy good. I'd bring him on if they could work no, something out. I, I mean, as as much as he's got a, like a 50-50 following out here, because there's definitely fans out here that have a distaste for him because he's not he's not that great at interacting with the public. Like I even I even personally yeah. had an interaction with him. I was he was standing in line behind him at a Debella's subs waiting to get my food, and like just as we were crossing paths, it would just try to interact with him and just say hi and have a conversation for a second and he just didn't wasn't going to have any part of it at all and then there was a um there was an event at the mall here where they had a bunch of players that were there and they were signing stuff and had certain kids come over it. and he just seemed like he didn't want to be there at yeah. all and like i get it i get it you know it's your it's your job and there's things you don't want to do but at the same time like you are the face of the franchise at this point <laughs> so i got you. there's a little bit of sourness here for him but yeah 
Chris, would you like to see Jack Eichel in the red and black? I know we could dream, but... <laughs> so nah. I remember <laughs> when we kind of kicked this around uh, in one of our chats, and uh, my first reaction was to look for the, the gif of either Bugs Bunny just saying, no, or the, the you know, the slaw <laughs> saying, how about... No, <laughs> um, you know I just I don't know too much about you're, Jack Eichel. You're in the another locker one of them locker room truthers. No, I don't, I don't know about Jack Eichel <laughs> in the locker room and stuff like that. I don't know how yeah. he is in, in terms of that. Um, but I will say just in, in terms of how I view it, you have Jack Eichel who is a superstar, elite talent, um, and we just drafted Jack Hughes who is also supposed to be a franchise superstar talent. You know, once he develops, that's what he's de- supposed to develop into. Um, and I agree with you. If we sent a package with Hughes for Eichel, I mean, we'd definitely have to include more. And I just, I don't just no. I'd, I'd rather keep Hughes, have him develop, let Eichel yeah. be a superstar yep. in Buffalo. Let us just keep our, you know, Jack and yep. Nico train going here. Um, yeah, no, I, I absolutely do can, not want yeah, Hughes to move for Eichel. Jack, Jack is a devil, hopefully for, for his no, entire crazy. career, just like Nico well, will hopefully uh, Eichel's locked down for the next, I think, like nine years at 10 mil, which is a really yeah. good value for someone like him. But good stuff, boys. Um, yeah, it was a fun little thing I saw. Um, we, we could, well, I could dream. It sounds like you guys don't want nothing to do with him, but <laughs> all good. Um, all right, good I don't hate the guy. I've got his jersey hanging in my closet. For me, the only the only hotter take I saw was Max Kellerman saying that hockey's not a top four sport. That yeah, we out all know he's getting that out of here. Kellerman's actually not bad with boxing, but anything else, you just got to disregard that guy's opinion. But uh, <laughs> all right, good stuff, boys. Episode two, it's a wrap. Um, I don't know if you guys checked it out, our listeners, but. Um, Chris got us a cool little uh, link we'll be posting from now on where you could actually choose what type of medium you want to listen to our pod on, whether it be Spotify, Google, what's it called? Google Podcast. Google Podcast. Yep. We're official on there um, too now. Yeah. Apple something. Yep. Uh, Apple Podcast. We're there now too. But um, all good stuff. We'll catch you. What's next Monday? What's the what's the number day of that? Some uh, bad, we're looking uh, at the 14th. podcasting right now. Or no, 15th. the 15th. 15th. Excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah, look for episode three. Drop it on June fifteenth. Um, everyone, be safe. Good, good vibes all around. You guys got anything to say? Let's go, Devils, baby. Go Devils. All right, talk to you later.